opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. Every week here on ACB Media One, that's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This is Cheryl Cummings. And this is Tim Cummings. And we're welcoming you to uh, this week's Sunday edition. We're sitting in for Anthony, who is taking a well-deserved rest. And uh, we have, an, I think, an interesting topic this morning, considering that next week, July 26th, will be the 33rd anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, and Cheryl, why don't you tell them what we're talking about today? Ah, so today we're talking about religion and disability. And I want to say what prompted us, prompted this topic was a few years ago, we went Well, wait, to... should we introduce our family? Should we introduce our panel first? Oh, absolutely. We... I'm sorry. Okay. So, so we have an illustrious panel with us this morning. Um, and in no particular order, Reverend Michael Garrett, welcome, sir. Welcome to the panel. Welcome, and thank you. Thank you for the welcome, and it's good to be here to share with all of you. Um, next, uh, Lynn Corral from the Jewish Hour, who we know very well. Welcome, Lynn. Great to have you here. I couldn't unmute for a minute, but thank you so much. And I really appreciate the invite. I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you. And a man who uh, we all know, who does many community calls, Mr. DJ Hansard. Good morning, DJ. Welcome. We're glad to have your positivity with us this morning. Good morning. And thank you so much for inviting me to be here. It is a privilege and an honor to be on this panel with, on this August panel with such individuals. Thank you so much for the invite. And last but not least, this man has worked with Cheryl before on a previous Sunday edition, Mr. Mark Reichert. Mark, good morning. Good morning. Hello, hello. Uh, early afternoon here in Northern Virginia. And I just got to say, I, <clears throat> I read... Uh, the little description over the list serves earlier today, and it said, "Come listen to an expert panel." I think y'all made me blush because Lord knows I uh, am no expert on the subject. Very much a, uh, very much a student. Maybe a disciple is a better word than 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 expert. But glad to be part of this panel. Looking forward to learning a lot. So glad to be here. So we're all we're all amateur. Well, some of us are professional, but. Uh... Some of us are amateur theologians in this in this arena. Okay. So, 
before um before i i turn it over to cheryl to tell the story i just want to say that this is not a debate uh, this is an open dialogue. This is a discussion. We want people, uh, listeners, people who from all faiths or no faith, who have opinions on this to call in. And I look forward to a lively and fruitful and very interesting and thought-provoking discussion. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Cheryl. All right. So thank you. I'm so excited to have our uh, panelists and um, to have the folks who have been coming in and are joining us on Zoom and those who are joining us on Clubhouse and those who are listening. Um, so as I was saying, the sort of impetus for this topic happened a few years ago. Um, and and it's it led us to looking for a book to delve into this a little, to read a little about it. So um, a friend of ours passed away and uh, she, she, she was blind um, and we went to her funeral and um, uh, it's a Lutheran church and we were so- uh, Woohoo, let's hear it for the Lutherans, yay. <laughs> okay, but we were, we were really um, impressed in the sense that uh, you know, Rosie and her husband were longtime members of this church. Um, and so when we went to the church, we were uh, assisted sort of in the right way. You know, there wasn't any openly condescending sort of response to us being there. Um, and they had the hymnal and the prayer book, prayer book in Braille. So we were just like, wow, we get to fully participate. This is really exciting. Um, and then the minister got up to give his eulogy. And that's where um, this, so that's where this happened. So the minister said lovely things about Rosie because she was a really lovely woman. Um, and the thing that caught our attention was he then proceeded to say something along the lines like, and now Rosie will be eternally happy because she's in heaven and she will have um, gotten her vision back. Wow. And isn't she now able to, you know, be the full person? And at that point, I think Tim and I both like said, what? What did he say? Um, because I thought, you know, since Braille books, understanding of like accessibility, apparent, you know, access, like physically accessible church, that maybe we wouldn't hear anything along those lines. So I'm going to ask the panel to sort of react to that statement that, um, as a blind person, somebody who lived their life as a blind person would now be happy and content because in heaven there were Rosie would be somebody who got her vision. And um, so I'll stop there. Let, and let's let's start with Mark because Mark's a Lutheran. I don't want to pick on you, Mark. And this was, by the way, this was a Missouri Synod Lutheran church. See, that's where I grew up, baby. Okay, so all right. But I don't believe that uh, dear pastor's comments would be reflective of many uh, within the Lutheran tradition. At least I hope I'm right about that. 
So I, I can relate to the story all too well because I don't know, 15, 20, 25 years ago I was in doing it. I was invited. You know how it is. And I bet all of us who have disabilities have been invited to different things at times. Tell us your life story. What's the experience like, et cetera. And it was a, a church related thing, an adult Bible class. One very well-meaning lady asked me point blank. She said, well, I, I, so, I, you know, I hope you don't think this is too personal, but are you looking forward to getting your vision back when you get to heaven? Now, of course, people who know me really well know that, of course, I'm a big talker and I go to a lot of things and talk a lot about things and think a lot about things. I can honestly tell you, no lie, that was the first time it had ever struck me that, wait, you mean, oh, so right. So, so being in heaven means I get my vision back because at that point I was in my early thirties and I can tell you with hand on heart, it was the first time I ever thought that that might even be a possibility. And I frankly ended up getting a lot of tears in my eyes because I don't conceive of heaven as being a place where I would quote unquote, get my vision back. I envision <laughs> pun intended heaven to be a place where those kinds of things do not matter. And if it is the good Lord's will uh, that I have something that whenever that means in eternity, that is something like unto physical sight, then the Lord will be done. And if that's not the case, I know that as scripture says, no eye is seen nor ear is heard. What's in store for those who love him. Um, That's the hope that I have. I mean, I think it's not about me needing to change. I think it's about the environment changing. And I think paradise or heaven is where that those kinds of things don't matter. Okay. Okay. Lynn, your take. Well, uh, Jews don't really talk about heaven that much, actually. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I mean, it really doesn't. Because when we talk about what we do for others, it's what we do here on earth and how we take care of each other on earth, not what we're going to do in some afterlife. It's just not... Uh, really uh, good. And one of the things I really like about where I am right now is when we have to stand for certain prayers and things like that, the rabbi says, you know, stand up in body or in spirit. And I just love that. You know, he acknowledges that there are people with disabilities and he realizes that not, not everybody can stand you know, that is really stand in their bodies. So I think that when I think when we, when we talk about accessibility in any religious space, um, we've talked about this a lot in the group and how we have to feel comfortable so that we're not a minority in the Jewish community and we're not a minority in the blind community. So that's what I have to say about that. Okay. Reverend Garrett, sir, any thoughts? So my thinking on the, on the one hand, you, you could say, yeah, uh, as Mark said, or does it matter? But on the other hand, in, in my reading of the Bible, the Bible talks about us having a new body when you get to heaven. And that being the case, the, certainly the opportunity for regaining our sight or whatever disability, so to speak, that we had, there is certainly a chance that that could happen is that is that my primary reason for going to heaven no but i'm promised a new body 
And that gives me great hope for a lot of different. DJ. There we are. <laughs> Found that infamous unmute button. So I kind of echo the words of uh, Brother Garrett in that scripture tells me that I will have a glorified body. When I think of heaven, heaven is the destination that hopefully we all who are here on earth would strive to or live to strive toward uh, getting my sight back uh, in heaven uh, or even just getting my glorified body. That's the promise, but it is not the main concern. It is not the number one hit on the top 10 list. Because once I get to heaven, I'm going to be too busy praising God, praising Jesus, and being reunited with those who have before me. So being would not be a priority in my book, just as it is not a priority for me here on earth. It will definitely not be a priority here or up in heaven. So that's my tip on it. Thank you. Okay, I see we have some, honey, should we, do you wanna take some raised hands or do we want to? Oh, do we have some raised hands? We, I think we do. Do we, Sheila? Looks like we you do. Have, you have one. Mm -hmm. You want to take okay, yeah. it? Okay. Yes, sure. please. Jane, go ahead. Jane, go ahead and unmute. All right. All right. Let's go to Gabriel, Gabriel. and try Jane again. Yeah, I, I will. Gabriel? Thank you, Sheila. Thank mm -hmm. you, everyone. Um, This is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart because I'm a person of faith. And um, when I grew up Catholic, now embracing uh, Episcopalian faith, but uh, God is always, uh, uh, you know, the first thing in, in my life. I, just to address this um, this um, question that that the panel has so expertly and and so reflectively um, analyzed, what I feel, um, what I feel that I cringe cringe when I hear that statement is um the 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 premise it, to to say that we're be able, we are going to be able to have sight in a world or in heaven where everything is perfect that supposes the existence of an imperfection so that supposes the existence that oh we are imperfect here yes we are but that doesn't mean that um being uh blind or not having sight is it makes me feel incomplete and then when i go to heaven i will be complete so that's 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 a premise that i that i kind of disagree with because um i feel that then that also um reinforces the theory that i grew up with um be, from the catholic church that being blind is a punishment and mm. it'll be lifted once i get to heaven mm. thank you Okay, Peter Hyde. Hello. Hi, Peter. Hey, Peter. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to share first a story and then and then a response. That um, uh, Sophroni Peterson was my fourth grade school teacher at uh, the Wisconsin School for the Visually Handicapped, and that she was uh, totally blind almost all of her life. And I happened to be in a Bible study with her when she was 84 years old. 
And uh, the Bible study was on the book of Psalms, and that uh, it was led by professors from the University of Wisconsin. And um, she was uh, um, fearless enough to, to stand in the face of um, all of these doctorate people talking about theology. And she said, um, first of all, I want to apologize because um, I have memorized uh, early in my life, I memorized all 150 Psalms, but I memorized them in the King James Version, and you're not using that version anymore. Um, I have taken time to memorize all of the Psalms in a more modern version. So um, I'm only going to quote from King James. And then she went on to cite like five different things that um, she wanted to make comments on. And, uh, and ended with a question, and that when the Bible study was done, this, this very well-meaning woman came up to her afterwards and said, um, I'm just so impressed with everything that you've been able to do. You certainly are an amazing person. And she said, um, I'm blind. I'm not mentally challenged. And, and the woman that, that I could see at the time, and that the woman looked like she'd been slapped in the face. And then she said, well, I also wanted to say that I know that when you get to heaven, you'll be able to see like all the rest of us. And, and Sophroni Peterson stood there in her all five, four foot 10 inches and said, if God won't take me the way I am, then I don't want to go. And, and that has stayed with me, you know, ever since. Um, it has certainly dominated a lot of my studies as I went through seminary and became a Lutheran pastor, not not Missouri Synod, but a Lutheran pastor nonetheless. And that um, and and these are the, some of the things that I have learned through thought, uh, reflection, and translation um, is that, um, the indication is in scripture that our wholeness comes in Christ, does not come in and of ourselves, and that our wholeness uh, is dependent on um, God's grace, and that, um, that if we have to surrender that very thing that makes us who we are, then God's, uh, God's grace is not able to embrace us as we are. So that, I mean, I would say that when we get to heaven, um, I'm with Mark, um, it won't matter. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. All right. Um, You've got so, four hands, so. All right, so so we're gonna hold off on the hands um, because there there's much more to come. What a shame that this conversation doesn't stimulate conversation. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Right. right. So um, I'll turn it back to Tim. So keep stay with us. There's more to come. Okay. Tim. Let me let me share my screen here. Uh, oh wait a minute. So okay. as he's doing that, let me say this: the book that we read was written hmm. by a woman who I think was very involved in her church um, and really raised many questions, um, <laughs> talking not only about sort of physical access, but this, what I thought was deeper questioning sort of the understanding of scripture 
and how that impacts the way we interact with each other and the way the church um, talks about people and either includes or does not include people with disabilities and people especially and people who are blind. All right, Tim, are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. Okay. So this um and I'm not I'm not gonna play the whole chapter. First of all, for all the bibliophiles out there, this is the this is from the new international version. Um thanks to Bard. Um I I I was gonna Put the whole Bible in my Braille display and bring it up and read it, but I didn't want to torture you all for two hours. <laughs> so this is um, this is part of John chapter nine about the healing of the blind man. So I thought this was appropriate. Chapter nine. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in this life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed, and came home seeing. Okay, and, um, so that, you know, I picked that out because it's it. This is a pretty famous story in in the New Testament, but I picked that out because right there, Jesus says, "No, this is not. This is this this his blindness was not caused by his sin or his parents' sin." But it seems today, that seems to be a, still a very dominant theme within the church uh, that people really still believe that, as Gabriel pointed out before. And I, I'd like the panelists' reactions on that and why this this seems to be still such a strongly held belief, although it's totally contradicted by um, Scripture. So, Mark? Oh, I, I, I'm glad I won the lottery ticket for getting to make these comments first. It puts me so much pressure. Oh, my goodness. So I think that people who perceive themselves as fully able-bodied people, which by the way, there are precious few of those, and the people who see themselves that way, frankly, aren't nearly as able as they think they are. Uh, and I'm not being smart-mouthed about them, I'm just saying, I think there is a, uh, pe people have a tendency to assume that disability equals certain things and that they're not participating in it, when the truth is we all have varying degrees of ability. I think there are people who, are quite impressed with themselves. And the notion when somebody says, oh my gosh, you as someone with a disability, you as someone who's visually impaired, how amazing you are. An underlying assumption in all of that is, I have all of my faculties. I'm really impressed with how successful I've been. Not so sure how you, someone who lacks one of these amazing abilities can do all of those things that are tough for me. And sometimes in my more cynical moments, I wonder about whether they're thinking that maybe seeing someone who has an obvious, if I can put it that way, disability, isn't in certain sense a challenge to them. When they look at someone who, from their perspective, is more limited than they, who has, who has accomplished at least as much, if not more, what does that say? I mean, doesn't scripture say something about 
to whom much is given, much is required. I think we all understand that notion implicitly. So to apply that to this passage, I mean, I think the thing that really resonates for me is that you know, the Lord Jesus's comment here is it's not about his own sin or the sin of his parents, but that in carrying this particular cross or in experiencing what this gentleman experienced in his blindness, the works of God will be made manifest. And of course, in the story, Christ goes on to heal him. But I think that's a message that is super liberating for all of us who do live with disability, that whether one is experiencing full sight, no sight, whether we get some of it back, whatever, the truth is in that experience, uh, we can experience the liberation and the power of of the Lord. Okay. Reverend Garrett, sir. This, this, I have a, I have, you better put the timer on me, Cheryl. <laughs> okay. okay. He's fixing to give a sermon. All right. I, yeah. I did put the timer on. <laughs> Preach. Preach. Preach, Brother Gary. No, Preach. From the, from the standpoint that this, first of all, uh, our disabilities ministry at my church mm. is based on this, this passage. Mm. Uh, from mm. the standpoint, it, it says work the works. Yeah. That's what we call it. Work the works. Mm. We must work the works of them who sent us. But going back to the beginning of that scripture, that, that passage, uh, note that even Jesus' disciples asked the question, who sent right. this man That's or right. his parents? Uh-huh. It was a cultural thing at that time, even then. It was cultural to, to think that anybody with a disability, they had that disability because somebody sinned. Well, mm. it couldn't have been the man who sinned because he was born blind. Mm. Mm. Couldn't have been him. So, so that's why Jesus says that it is it is for for the work of God is for <laughs> to show God's glory to be displayed. That's right. God has many ways to show His glory in our lives, and so unfortunately, to get right to the crux of your question, Tim, some of those antiquated old world ideas remain today because people take. A scripture out of context, and I got more mm. to say about that later on. They take scripture out of context. They lose sight of what God really intends for people and people with disabilities as we live in the world together. Mm. Lynn, yeah. any? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was thinking, um, and related to the last question about you know heaven and stuff like that. I think what. Uh, Ms. Kinney says is about curatives. And, you know, uh, is it really that we want to cure blindness? Is that what we want to do mm. for the doubters and stuff like that? Also, I was thinking about research that I did for my dissertation, which is just about done. And one of the tropes in the Middle Ages uh, that Kaminska found uh, in 2021 is that, yes, the sinful trope was there in the Middle Ages about sin and 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 how um, and this was true of both Jews and Christians at the time, and so I think that this whole idea of sinfulness and there's something wrong with you or something wrong with your parents or you must have done something um, wrong 
to be uh, blind and uh, all that kind of stuff. I think that that's a, uh, we have taken that into the modern era to understand disability instead of understand that it's just a part of life and it happens. And uh, that's what I have to say about that. So. DJ. Thanks. Oh, wait a minute. DJ, any comments? Oh, there we go. There you uh, go. Like Brother Garrett, we might have to put a timer on this. This is one of those topics that really, when you think about it, could be a part two, a part three, and a part four, because it is so in-depth. It is uh, so, uh, there's so much content. When you look at this, and I was just looking at that passage of scripture just yesterday. You look at this passage of scripture, you got to go all the way back to the beginning. Mm. In, the, in the beginning, there was perfection. A perfect God with his perfect hands created perfect beings, you and I. Then, within this perfect existence of the garden, it was told of man what he could do and what he and and but what ended up happening long and short of it was this thing called sin came in and violated this perfection. Now neither the man or the woman or his parents, really not the issue as far as how he lost his sight. That was only made up by man, the disciples. It is clear to me, however, that society and maybe Old Testament lore, if you will, frowned and cringed upon people with disabilities. Well, they were looked down upon. They were looked down upon to the point of not being a part of. Why? Because they would not, or the status quo would not accept anyone with a blemish, so to speak, a disability. Not even realizing that what Paul says, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So because we've all come short, we are all who are made out of perfection now have become imperfect. Henceforth, the emphasis was on trying to establish the perfection and rid themselves of the imperfection, as Jesus quoted. It is more about God's glory to be exhibited than about the man receiving his sight. Mm -hmm. And there's more to that when we get to it. But that's my take so far. That's good. Thank you. So I think I think we have some questions. Should we take some raise hands? Could I don't know. I have a question. Can mm, we can we have the panel and then we could take some hands? Um mm -hmm. so you've all sort of responded to the the text. So we're in the 21st century, right? And we've gained all this knowledge about um genetics and um, we have all this technology. And so 
I suppose my question is, what's your take and why this sort of idea still persists? I mean, DJ talked a little bit about it. Um, and, and is it that it's that, that concept of perfect versus, versus imperfect? And does that mean that I suppose my, my challenge has always been if we're all made in the image of God, doesn't that mean that God encompasses us as we are? So wh why the persistent persistence of this particular sort of understanding of disability? Uh, Can I respond to that? Yes, why don't you start? Um, one of the things is that, and I've found this in my study, one of the things is that uh, the stigmatization of, uh, you know, imperfection and people who look different or sound different or act differently. And so this stigma by society and society controls everything and where institutions control everything. So when institutions control everything, it sets up these uh, false dichotomies between us and them, between disabled people and non-disabled people, between people who, um, you know, and, and you find this in an old book in the 60s called The Making of Blind Men, hence uh, men, right, by Robert A. Scott. Uh, and you find this about socialization and how blind people have to be socialized because obviously we, we can't work. I, mean, I was told this when I was 13 that I would never find a job and I would never be able to work. And this kind of idea that you have to be productive. And if you're blind, you can't be productive. So I think the whole idea of religion and how uh, the church, the church is only an extension or the synagogue or the mosque or whatever is only an extension of society. And if society feels that um, there is uh, imperfection in you, even though I agree with uh, Mr. Reichert, that uh, we are all disabled in one way or the other. I totally agree with that. I've always felt that way. So I think that the whole idea of perfection, imperfection, and only God is perfect. No, we're all perfect. And it doesn't really matter. And I think that this is something that the reason it persists is because society persists and these uh, stigmas exist and these stereotypes exist. Hmm. Oh, Doug. I'm sorry, DJ. Well, you can you can go okay. Um, so, um, it's a matter of whether it's society at large and the 20, this twenty first century society and beyond, and even a little before. It's a matter of acceptance, and I think that uh, Lynn just hit the nail on the head a little bit too. Because the perception of many who are, and I want to use this word in quotes, non-disabled or the undisabled or the quote ability community, whatever, the perception of them is that they believe that someone with a disability cannot function without being whole. The blind man who was to receive his sight only received his sight because it was believed that in his state, in his condition, he would not be able to 
quote, perform or live the quality of life that it would make a take to live in this world. Oh, in other words, i.e., he's got to have assistance to cook for himself, do this for himself, do that for himself. But he would not need that unless he got his sight back. And the truth be known, when those who have their sight don't realize that 80% or almost 90% of your life, the way you live it, is predicated on what you see. Example, why should I have to listen for a car to come my direction when all I have to do if I'm sighted is look that way? And so it's a matter of exception and those whether they be our family members, our friends, or close associates, or those who are around us in our space would accept us for who we are. And I would like to coin a phrase from a very dear friend of ACB and our ACB community. And she says, and I quote, my blindness is not my flaw, it's my feature. Nice, thank you. Reverend Garrett? So, as, as I pondered the question, I just want to be sure, Cheryl, you're asking why does why does that view persist today in the 21st century? Yes. So my stab at it is is, is this: man's little feeble mind is <laughs> always is always searching for the easiest way out. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the mm-hmm. author in the book uses the word, uh, and I think DJ was trying to get at it, uh, ableism. Thank and you. So, That's it. so generally, ableism is thought to be the way. That's the standard. Ableism is the standard. If you're not fully able, fully able, uh, with all of your physical senses intact and not realizing that their their cognitive senses are <clears throat> maybe imperfect but with all if you're not if you're not perfect with all of your physical senses there's something wrong with you and that persists has persisted down through the ages and it still yes. persists today and you can tell that by the way we're treated Yes. They, people have no concept of how to deal with a person. Uh, well, we, we, all of us, deal with it from the standpoint, they don't know how to deal with a blind person. They feel uncomfortable. But even people with other disabilities feel the same way. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so it, it's, it's man's inability <laughs> to understand how disabilities work and, and that a person can function even with a disability. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Garrett. Yeah. Mark. Mark? Well, <clears throat> I agree with all that. I also think it's not just about man's inability. I think it's about his judgmentalism. And here's what I'll tell you what I mean by that. So I want to put a very good word in for the Hebrew Bible, uh, which I'm sure Lynn will uh, not mind. So you know, there are people who would look at the Hebrew Bible, particularly when you start talking about the Ten Commandments and you hear uh, God saying, 
I punish the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and the fourth generations. And plenty of people look at that and they say, yep, there you go. See, it says right there, you know, uh, right there in black and white. Of course, what they forget is the next couple of verses over that talk about how the Lord blesses to the thousandth generations mm-hmm. to those who love him. So, you know, what you got to do, of course, is read all that. And as Reverend Garrett says, you got to read that stuff in context. And, you know, you, when I, you start proof texting things, you're going to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> But when you look at what the disciples were asking in this John chapter nine question, look at the assumption they're making. It's gotta be about this guy's sin or the sin of his parents. And yet every last one of those dudes, let's assume that uh, good old Peter was part of that group. He denied the Lord. Uh, These are people who have got their own problem with sin. They're spending an awful lot of time trying to figure out what this blind dude what happened to him or what was in this guy's past. And I frankly don't think it's much of an accident that uh, the Lord Jesus talks about, you know, get that two by four out of your own eye before you start plucking specks out of other people's eyes. Because honestly, I think that that's an awful lot what this is about. I think you're right, uh, uh, Michael, that I think there is an inability on all of our part on some levels. I mean, I think we all have a certain you know, prejudices, uh, uh, known and unknown. I also think that there is something inherent to all of us where we use ourselves as a standard and start judging other people on the basis of who we think we are. And uh, for sure, I think the message of of faith is to say, cut that out. That doing that itself uh, is not what the good Lord wants us to be doing. We're called to be forgiving and also to recognize people for exactly who you are. I love the phrase in the book that we read um, that all people are image bearers, right? We are all image bearers. And if we're all created in, in the Lord's image, uh, then, uh, then there must be something to that, that it's somehow in the divine plan, people with disabilities reflect in some sense. And maybe we can talk about this a little bit later, that that in some way, uh, acknowledges the character and the nature of of God. Thanks. I think we have some raised hands. Yeah, I'm, I'm really sad that this isn't drawing uh, people's attention because <laughs> you've got eight <laughs> hands up. <laughs> Debbie so, Grubb. Okay. I was going to say, if you could, if I mean, it sounds like we have sufficient interest that we could, you know, have new people. Got, yes, yeah. ma'am. I got gotcha. you. Right. Thanks, Sheila. <laughs> Debbie Grubb. Okay, here I am. I just want, I, I am so impressed by this conversation and it really makes me think. I like, because I'm kind of goal oriented and stuff, I like to give people a couple of tools to put in their toolbox that implement all of this wonderful discussion. First of all, there's the atonement. If God had meant for everyone, God said, you all sin. The atonement means that my son shed his blood for you. And when you believe this and act accordingly, then you, you are with us. So here's the thing. If healing had been in, if that had meant to be a part of the atonement, it would have been. So since healing was not in the atonement for everybody, 
then I don't think it was God's will that everybody be healed for much of the same reasons that you've already talked about. Because the important thing about our faith, whether it's Jewish, whether it's Islam, whether it's Christianity, is how we take the earthly journey. And that is the important thing. The second thing I would say is that the Apostle Paul, through his prayers, through his life, himself healed many people. Yet he had a thorn in his flesh and he said, I have this. And when I prayed through, I prayed my life depended on it three times that this thorn be taken away. And God God said, my grace grace is is sufficient. sufficient. And so what, what what I believe is we have to think about taking the journey now. Glory, whatever it looks like, will be perfection. And all of us will be so glad to be there and to be surprised. I, you know, I just know it's going to be wonderful, but what we all have to concentrate on is how we take the journey now. And I think we need to remind people that healing is not in the atonement, that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. The thing about the atonement is we get forgiven, whether we, and, and, and forgiveness does not automatically do away with disability. And so we walk the life path that we are, are given. And we have to, as Mark said, the key is love. We have to love everyone and respect everyone. And we walk the path that we are given. And to some of us, that's a physical disability, a sensory disability, a cognitive one, or whatever it might be. <laughs> So I think we take these (laughs) and we move forward and we just march on to freedom here on earth and take this journey the very best we can. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) And this is a compliment. That was a very Debbie Grubb comment. I love that. That's awesome. All right. Jeannie Jeannie Johnson. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, great. All right. Um, Back to a, this is a very interesting discussion. Um, one of the things that I think, though, and the reason that even this day, people who, excuse me, do not have vision problems, for lack of a better way to put it, um, feel the way they do. And I think this was touched on a little bit is that people who can see, many of them, cannot imagine having a regular life and functioning daily going to work and all that i know when i was a child my grandmother had told my uncle that i'd never be able to live on my own which of course was false so i think that uh people say we're amazing and i've had this done several times is because they cannot imagine doing what we're doing if they didn't have vision, it's like that would be the worst thing in the world. And probably, excuse me for my tickle, um, what, one statistic that I've read is that if people are given the choice to, excuse me, I'm going to take a drink, have the disability of being deaf or blind 99% of the time, they pick death. They think many people think blindness is the very worst thing yep. that could ever happen to them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know mm-hmm. how many of you on this call 
at one time had vision, but unless or until you found out your vision was decreasing, you may have had those same attitudes. Oh, I don't know how people do this blind, if you, in fact, even knew people who were blind, because a lot of people don't. And while there are lots of us in the world, there are <laughs> lots of people who, when they encounter us, it's their first time to... Oh, she's blind. And and years ago, I did phone dating for a little while, which was not successful, by the way. But I I would talk to guys and I wouldn't tell them right away that I was blind. But if they seemed kind of interested and I thought it might have a chance, I would. And I actually had people say, oh, well, I've never gone out with a blind person. I wouldn't know how to talk to a blind person, even though they've talked to me for hours. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, even in this day and time. Although there are many of us out there, people who can see just cannot imagine how we can function normally and have homes and jobs and children and interests if we can't see. Jeannie, yeah. we've got a ton of hands, honey. Thank oh, that's so fine. Much. I'm done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I guess we need to let him talk. Anthony. <laughs> All right, buckle up. I'm going to be a minute or two. Uh, first and foremost, I'm about three quarters of the way through the book. So this esteemed panel has a, a beautiful invite back early in September so folks can get a chance to read the book and come back and talk some more. This is this is amazing. Um, to answer the question itself first, and then I have a quick story. Um, I, I want to echo everything that everybody said so far and add the word fear. I think Mira, you know, when encountering, um, I think folks are either afraid of how to deal with us. Are they going to make a quote unquote mistake? Are they going to offend us somehow? Or they're afraid of ever having to deal with what we're dealing with. And so it puts them in that box. Um, the quick story I want to tell, because God works or whatever you call your higher power works in mysterious ways. Earlier this week, um, I'm president of my local chapter and I received an email asking me to share with my with my um, group that this person had planned a mass for special needs people. There was a digital flyer attached and when I was able to decipher the PDF, um, the words prayers for your affliction were included in the flyer. So I wrote back a, a, a pretty, you know, long message saying, you know, it's a beautiful thought, but I can't share this with with my group because the wording, I, though not intended, you know, is somewhat offensive. Um, and I went through all the reasons why I, I got a message back is saying, you know, after she cried for an hour, um, it's too late to change everything. And all she wants to do is help, blah, 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 blah. You know, mm -hmm. you know, the, I, I really just want to do good works, but ended it with, I'm still going to pray for you and your afflictions. Oh. So even oh, after girl. a three page response, she didn't get it. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I think it's because, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it. I don't think we as a community have pushed ourselves out there enough to show the world that we are people that happen to be blind, not blind people that need something all day, every day. So that's my story. Um, but back to the question, I, I think fear is a big component too. And please consider coming back and doing a part two to this. Oh, yeah. Right. Couldn't right. couldn't keep us away there, Saint Anthony. Couldn't keep us away. No, you couldn't. <laughs> That's right. All right, cachet. 
Well, hello, such a great topic today. And I love the um, feedback. Uh, one thing I will say is um, the normal society thinks that anything that is not perfect has a limitation. And what I feel like is that in, in the light of our being in our perfect body, it says that we, when we get to heaven, we will receive our perfect body. That means anything that was a restriction or a burden. Now, whether you consider that your vision or a problem, those things will come new. Not to say that we will get vision. I think God accepts us for who I, for who we are on earth. He's definitely going to do that in heaven. And we have to realize that uh, there's so many examples of disability in the Bible and see um, how he used those as the perfect example of how we can get engaged into better conversation of how we can endure, how we can show our worth and how we can move forward to show our own abilities, even with our restrictions. Thank you. All right, Susan Crawford. Thank you. I just want to share an experience um, that I had many years ago when, when we still lived in Boston. I was going from Park Street on the Red Line down to Dorchester, and there was a, evidently a street preacher next to me, and I Red Line train came in, and he said, your faith is not strong enough, or, you, or your vision will be healed. And, um, and there are a lot of days I would have ignored him or said something sarcastic, and um, I guess was in a mellow mood that day. I got on the train, and I said, well... Perhaps. I mean, I don't know if my face strong enough. And he sat down next to me and I said, but what if God accepts me as I am? What if God loves me as I am? I said, because even if, um, even if I got normal vision, you know, perfect vision today, I'm still not perfect. I have a lot of other faults. You know, I'm not tall enough. I'm short tempered, a whole bunch of things. I'm far from perfect. Is it the person that becomes perfect, or is it God's love that perfects? I tell you, I hadn't really thought this through before. So sometimes just talking to somebody helps you to think things through. I said, isn't, what if God's love makes whole? It's not that the person ever becomes perfect. And, and thinking about it, I mean, I love my son. I, I, I certainly love Charlie. And, um, but they aren't perfect. And I'm not going to be perfect. So this guy sits here. He says, I never thought of it that way. And I said, I, I really think the focus should be on love, not on the person physically. It's, it's, it's love that perfects. And that's where I think I need to focus. And anyway, so we talked. He, he got off on, he got off before we got, before we left. Um, I was going down to, to Dorchester, but at any rate, he got off and he said, and he invited me to his church congregation, which I never went. But my point is, nine times out of ten, I never would have engaged in a conversation with this guy. I would have shrugged him off or said something sarcastic. But I said something to him, and he listened to me. And then we had an actual exchange. I don't know if it changed his life, but it did help me to think about, for any of us, I think we get so hung up on, you know, whether someone's attractive enough or smart enough or whatever enough. It's the love that counts. It's the love that makes whole. I'm done. Thank you. All right, Cheryl and Tim, you have still have six hands. Do you want to keep going, or do you? Yeah, want... let's. Uh, what, yeah, let's keep going. Okay. 
Anthony, I think this might be Anthony Akamimi, but I'm not sure. Yeah, this is the other Anthony. <laughs> Early for you, Anthony. My God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Anyway, I have to uh, leave in a few minutes, but I figured I chime in. And um, my thought on it was one of the biggest things is fear and um, perception, perception of um, what um, what people may seem as being awkward. But um, wh what I mean is um, sometimes I went to a, a service one time and um, when I was um, reading some of the um, different orders of worship and I was like, um, one, one of it was prayers. And it's quite interesting how um, people had the fear of um, the um, timing of the service going overboard or longer. And um, the pastor just said, just let it flow. Because um, there was this one person that wanted to pray, but they didn't have the voice, but they could blow a horn. There was another person that wanted to read a scripture, but they had some challenges um, with reading, so they had somebody who kind of read alongside with them. And there was somebody that wanted to um, um, share their own prayers, but they did it by a stroke of a uh, paintbrush. And it's sometimes it's the awkwardness of what people perceive of what is or what can't but really it's what people's perception is but really how we can all be as one thanks thanks anthony yeah i think you're telling us there are churches where ministers have the imagination and maybe the commitment to be as inclusive and to welcome their their worship worshipers to worship how they how they can and that that's valued. So thank you very much for sharing that story. All right, um, Kenneth. Hello, this is Kenneth. Um, being I wanted to just share a thought I had about you know being being cited for forty one years. I was on the other side and really uh, realized that I was ignorant. Really, I ended up helping a lady at my church who was blind. Uh, but I still didn't really know uh, until I became visually impaired myself about how she lived and how she achieved things. So I thought she was amazing, you know. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I, I think uh, through our ignorance as a sighted person, we will we end up casting judgment uh, instead of trying to become better educated about others and how they live we cast judgment and we form our own opinions and we hold on to those so strongly uh and don't even realize how we may be hurting other people uh and and that can be with any of us but i really i said some crazy things when i was cited when like about uh ray charles and stevie wonder good thing they're wealthy 
they can pay somebody to wash their face and brush their teeth. I mean, <laughs> later, later on when I thought about it, oh, that sounds so stupid, but that's where I was. And that's where sighty people are at times. Or they just don't know. And so that's why it, it really pays off uh, when we all demonstrate our abilities in the community more than getting angry uh, because of their lack of knowledge. Uh, they just don't know a lot of times that we say things that we don't carefully think about before we speak. And we we hurt one another because of that at times. But uh, I think that judgment is being cast con continually because of a lack of understanding about what's really happening with others. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Yeah, yeah. We have to meet people where they are. That's what we have to do. All right, Casey. Yeah, um, I uh, read this book because I'm part of a disability concern our church and um, one of the things that happened to me was my minister we a former minister who was retired now we were at a focus group a Wednesday night catechism type class and he was talking about the blind man and he said well what do you think about it and I said well you know you ministers miss the whole story you miss the whole thing because all you talk about is the healing of the blind man the, the blind man, he was, he was uh, cured of the disease of the blindness, but he was healed spiritually and healed spiritually whole because mm. in order for that blind man to be able to recognize and see things, that was a much bigger miracle than just the, the man receiving his sight. Uh, but I think one of the things that happens is uh, churches are very difficult places to, to be advocates for sometimes. Because there are four components of how disabilities are looked at, and they're all different. And so I think churches get mixed up. And I think now where you have all these different offshoots taking place with denominations, the disability concern ministry gets a little bit watered down. Uh, so I really would encourage, you know, blind and visually impaired uh, parishioners and members of, of the churches and synagogues to really get involved and, and, and stay out there. And make sure your information if for worship is accessible. Uh, make sure you bring uh, the needs of, of your group or various people to the attention of the of the, the clergy that are in charge. And uh, but it's a challenge because not everybody uh, wants to do this. But I hope we have more discussions about this because one of the things about the book that I thought was very interesting was the ableism part is a big part of the book. But we yeah. even have ableism in our own blind and visually impaired community, but we're not talking Absolutely about it. Right. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think and so we right should be that. talking about it because if we yep. could talk about the ableism and help build our imperfections with one another and each other's differences, uh, I think that would help us as a, as a, as a group uh, make more progress in some of the things that we're trying to achieve. Okay. Yes. Oh, I, I, we should for sure talk about that. And especially vis-a-vis, -vis, uh, you know, here we are affiliated with the American Council of the Blind. There are other consumer groups out there. And it's not so much their groups, but certainly certain groups within those groups who might take some extreme points of view about if you don't fully embrace your blindness, then you, <laughs> you're, 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 then clearly you're not a whole blind person. And I, this this trend about vision versus not having vision, there 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 is such a human uh, propensity or compulsion 
to want to use each of ourselves as some kind of standard that we're going to use to measure other people. And, and, and we've not, we're not even content with doing that. Based on that measurement, then we want to say, you aren't right. Uh, you need to conform to this per perception or this attitude. And wow, the more that we can push back against that, uh, and, and, we even judge, be. and we even judge each other on I, our voice or skill. And, and yeah. if we would, if we, if we no would address doubt. some of these, I think we could go farther within the church and some of these other issues. I, I think yeah. what you're saying also is that collaboration work is also very important. And uh, we have to work with collaboration. And I know when, I don't know what the background noise is, but it is. Um, I was a part of, in uh, my 30s, concerns of um, the Commission on Concerns of uh, Disabilities for a synagogue. And we did try to make things better in the 80s, you know, when I was yeah. in my 30s. So I've been doing yeah. this for a long time. And I think that you know, and, and, and this is part of the reason why I started the, the group to talk about things from the Jewish perspective, because there were so many other groups for other uh, Christian groups. So, you know, we needed a place to talk about things that we were concerned about. So, you know, I do think that collaboration and what you're saying and the uh, Debbie group talked about atonement, which is very important because we don't atone with, you know, we don't believe that somebody atoned for our sins. We believe that the whole community atones together. Uh, when we have the high holidays. So that's it. All right, Sheila, do we still have hands? Yes, ma'am. All right, let's, <laughs> let's keep going. All right, phone number 469, ending in 125. Could you please unmute and tell us who you are? Yes, this is Carol. And I have a comment about a previous speaker. Uh, he was talking about the Catholic faith and that they believed that blindness was a punishment. Now, I was raised Catholic, too. I went through 12 years of Catholic school, and I never heard that. Okay. No, well, I don't we, know. All, we all have different experiences, so yep. thank you very much. Thank you. All right. John. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Carol. I thought you were done. I am. I am. John McCann. Yo. Okay. Am I in there? I think so. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, this has been very, very interesting, and I regret having missed the first half hour. It just came to my attention. I guess it's my time. So every hour you correct for the yeah, disparity, um, time zones, etc. What gets me about the people, now come back to Susan Crawford, Susan Crawford's comment uh, and her experiences, or experience which is not at all atypical. Um, any number of us have experienced it. Uh, when anyone would say something like that to me, I would say, in essence, what about John chapter nine do you not get? That, that's the thing that amazes me. These people who think that our blindness is the result of sin or is the result of us not having enough faith. I mean, there's a whole chapter in the, in the Gospel of John, an entire chapter um, about the man who was born blind. They didn't use the term congenital, but yeah, okay, there you go. Um, what, what about that do they not understand? In my more flippant moments, and there were many more of them when I was in my 20s and 30s, you know, uh, I used to say, well, you know, read chapter nine, you know, um, then you would understand that, uh, God intended this for to happen 
because God is so awesome. And to show you how awesome he is, you just look at me and see all the amazing things I do, like bathe myself. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, you know, there's just so much there to unpack in John chapter nine. And I know this is somewhat scattered presentation. As people have commented, and I'll even amplify on it, it was axiomatic with the apostles that the person's blindness was due to sin. It was axiomatic. I mean, they might as well have said, God, don't, you know, in the interest of saving time, don't tell us, you know, that it was a result of sin. We get that. Was it the blind guy himself or the parents? You know, who screwed up here? And in John chapter three, Jesus basically tells them, you don't even, you don't get it. <laughs> you, you simply don't get it. It was not the result of sin. It was so that God's majesty would be manifest in him. I, I don't have the Bible in front of me, but words to that effect. In other words, God has intended this to happen, um, has allowed for it to happen as a manifestation of everything that he is. So I don't know where I'm going with all this, except that I obviously, as many of us do, I think, find uh, this whole idea of, of us being uh, a rationale for a prayer request extremely tiresome. Uh, God has obviously intended this for reasons that we are not given to fully understand at this time. Uh, I don't know that it would be my first question, but when I get to heaven, if I do, and that might be a debatable proposition, I'm trying like all get out. Uh, I, I don't know that my first question would be, God, what, what was the blindness all about? You know, um, <laughs> what, was, what was that all about? You know, I could have even been more awesome if I had sight. But mm. but, you know, I mean, uh, I don't know. You know, a lot of people say if you had it to do over again, uh, would you come back as a sighted guy? And I'm saying no way, because and this is probably more having to do with that or the devil, you know, but. Yeah. If God said to me, you're going to relive your life and I will guarantee that you will have twice, uh, you will have uh, 2020 vision uh, with or without correction, but you, you'll basically be a sighted person. Everything else is off the table. You might not have musical talent. You might not have a decent intellect. Uh, you might be in a wheelchair. Everything else is off the table. Do you take that deal? I say no. Uh, you know, God knows why. Um, I'm congenitally blind from glaucoma, and uh, you know he'll he'll explain it to me at the end of the at the end of time. Uh, I don't know if I have anything more to add, but it it just so amazes me that the people who have this perspective of that blindness is due to sin or lack of faith, they haven't read chapter nine, or they still don't get it, even in the face of having read it or having had some exposure. To it. I think we've got a clubhouse. I think we have a clubhouse question. Yeah, okay. Zoom kept lowering my hand whenever they unmuted, but we do have Diana Oliveira. Diane, you can unmute, or Diana, I'm sorry. How, oh my God, how can I unmute? There you go. There you go. Oh, thank you. Oh my God, I, I, I am appreciating so much this um this uh conference and uh i just found out how to get in the clubhouse but anyway um hello everyone and uh yes i i have to go back to you know something that caught my ear in one of the first speakers um mm -hmm. i believe it was cj uh mark also said something interesting about uh in heaven it doesn't really matter 
uh, quote unquote heaven, right? Um, but anyway, so CJ said that we, um, he summarized what I think. Uh, we are not, we don't have a disability, we have a, a feature. I love that because I believe that this feature that we have, and I love this word and I'm going to start using that, uh, is the one that makes us uh, special. And we have this feature for a particular reason. Uh, somebody said that we all have a mission here. We have um, some role to play in this lifetime. And uh, once we go home to uh, quote unquote heaven or to our really home, uh, we're gonna be whole no matter what. We might have to go through a process of healing there too, but as we are here, this special feature that we have uh, means a lot. And we, we are setting example, like many people said during the conference, that some people that are sighted, and I see sometimes for my, I have three sons that are fully sighted, uh, and that one of them has exactly this um, quote unquote fear that one day will happen to him. <laughs> um, and I think somebody said that something about that too. And it is absolutely real. It's a fear that one day you're going to lose your sight. And what do you do about that? How do you live without your full sight? So I think this feature that we have makes us very special. And we all should consider that we are um, demonstrating the glory of the Lord, our maker. Um, I don't believe in sin. I, I was raised Catholic, but during my lifetime, I had been in search for, you know, my spiritual path and I went to several denominations and attended many seminars in different religions and stuff so I learned that eyesight the loss of eyesight is really um, a very special mission between all the disabilities eyesight is probably the hardest one um, and I'm very glad that we found each other these groups that we belong to and uh, we understand each other. And uh, so that to me is, was, was, a, was an eye-opener. And I am relatively new to the blindness world. I joined the, the Federation, I believe, in seven years ago. And um, I was raised as a sighted person because my mother, for one, she really didn't fully accept that uh, I was legally blind from the age of 12. But anyway, so just to make short, um, I really appreciate this conference and I, I agree with everybody that said we should have a second chapter here. And now I know how to join. <laughs> so that will make it easier. And it's wonderful. It's really wonderful. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you, Diane. So Cheryl and Tim, I'm wondering if I can jump in with I wonder, uh, something about uh, what John McCann said really triggered this and I'm agreeing with him when I do it, but I, I, I think we need to acknowledge it. And maybe it's not even a chapter two, maybe it's a chapter three and four uh, on this whole conversation about religion and disability. I mean, the, we need to acknowledge that, that even the scriptures that we all, I mean, some of us, I mean, they're, they're more precious than gold to us, right? And yet at the same time, sometimes those writings can be very challenging. I mean, even the, 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 the books of John in the New Testament, you know, so-called Johannine 
theology. It's all over the place in his writings. Light, light is all about perfection and goodness. Darkness or blindness is evil. I mean, I, it's, there, there is a point at which some of these texts, even if you do read them in context, do give ammunition. I wish I had a better word than that. Uh, to people who, who want to apply them in ways that would be very uncomfortable for us. And I mean, all over the place, right? We're talking about John chapter nine. John chapter eight is all about people who are walking in darkness and you know you need to be liberated from that. And that darkness is all about sin. I mean, I think we as people with disabilities and particularly living with this particular disability can help uh, exegete uh, those passages for, for people in a, in, a, in a smarter, perhaps more informed way. But I, I do think that it's a, it's, it lays yet another responsibility on us as a community to help make sure that while there is an insight uh, there, right? And those kinds of metaphorical statements, light is where the goodness is, darkness is where evil is, that they need to be, they need to be kept there and, and focused where, as, where, where they need to be focused as appropriate and not let them bleed into you know, your and my physical disability, because those passages, those, those, those scriptures are really meant to teach us an insight about how we may be frankly blind to each other's um, needs uh, and, and all of that. And as soon as I use that phrase, I know that there are people who would say, yeah, see, you're using this sort of ableist language. You're blind to these things. And, you know, we need to be sensitive to that too. My only point ultimately is I, I think we do need to recognize that while these passages can be liberating, I, I mean, there are things built into these very holy and sacred texts that we care about very, very much uh, that in the wrong, frankly, in the wrong hands uh, can, can lead to some conclusions that I'm sure we all wouldn't support. Mark, anything could be interpreted. And I think one of the things That's that right. I think, I think about right. is okay. that uh, in the Hebrew scriptures, you know, we don't talk about, you know, John and some of the other um, mm. New Testament scholars, but mm. we do talk about, there are certainly in the uh, Hebrew scriptures are more about stories and the stories tell us about what St. Moses did. Of course, Moses was a person with a disability. Absolutely right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And God's encounter with Jacob who becomes Israel. Yeah. I mean, here's mm -hmm. God essentially injuring Jacob, right? He's spending the rest of his life with a limp with because a limp. Jacob is struggling mm -hmm. with God. I mean, yeah. what, what, what kinds of profound conclusions, if we allow ourselves in chapter four or five or six of this call, might we conclude from that? I mean, there's so many profound insights here. That's let, let me make oh, a comment. Let me okay. make. I've, I've been trying to get in here. Yeah. Ever since, ever since John McCann. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because, all his fault. Because, That's it. Because, yes, it's all John's fault. But no, yes. no, no. Uh, this chapter, chapter nine, has a lot more meaning than than just the beginning part. Because yeah. what it points out to us, I believe, is community. Because you use that word, Mark, the co community. And That's so right. if you look at it, it uh, there are several different groups 
who yep. were blind. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. physically blind, but spiritually, spiritually blind. So, blind. So we, exactly. First, yep. we we have to be careful that 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 we don't uh, uh, minimize or 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 cut off. The, the, the usage, I mean, and I understand we are very sensitive about words and language yeah, and, yeah, and all that, right. and, and that lends itself to a lot more discussion, too. But, 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 but Jesus points out in that particular chapter that all of the people surrounding this mm. man were spiritually blind for That's selfish right. reasons. That's exactly so we, right. And, and, and that mm-hmm. still goes on today. That's yeah, kind of one of those, And one of those reasons or more or less words in effect would be a lack, not so much just of understanding, but a lack in understanding. Mm. And they start relying on their own understanding, which Proverbs yeah. talks yeah. about, not, yeah. not to lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, <laughs> just give him trust. And he will, right. you know, he will direct your path. You just acknowledge him. And I mm. believe one thing that is, is, is prevalent in this passage of scripture, so much emphasis is put on one certain thing. In some ways, it's put on the sin. In other ways, it's put on the individual, whether it was mother, father, or blind man. Mm. In other ways, it's put on the deliverance, the healing, the going to the pool of Siloam and getting uh, clay put over your eye to be healed. But I'm going to just say this. When we who are in this disability community and when we who are in the blindness community realize that if we can, and I said this word before and I I can't emphasize it more, accept, when we can accept who we are and when we know, see here's what it goes down to, when we know who we are and we know whose we are we can accept where we are in life and then embrace that which we have accepted it and begin to move on and the bottom line is i don't care whether you're talking about ability or disability the best ability is availability Mm. Mm. (laughs) i'm gonna have to plagiarize that one that's good it's good. Do, it's Sheila, good. do we have any more hands? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. More and more reasons for part two. <laughs> and three and four. Terry mm-hmm. Lynn, you may unmute. Oh, can everybody hear me? Uh-huh. Yep. Yes, she is. So, you know, just speaking to that, um, you know, and, and it might sound kind of harsh, but I tell my husband all the time, it's like, whether or not I associate with you doesn't depend on your blind, you can see, you can hear if you're gorgeous or handsome. It depends on your behavior. It depends who you are as a human being, you know, like we can pick and choose who we want to associate with. But it's like, how is the person's heart? How, how do they think? Like, why do you not focus on the person's ability and all these strengths that they have yet, you know, and, and in the church too, we go back to what is the disability. I mean, frankly, at any person has a disability in some area, 
But when you can look beyond and focus on their ability, how can you as a person um, just relish that and, and gain knowledge and um, even probably learn a skill set from that individual rather than viewing them as, as someone as a disability or has a disability. And that's definitely how I live my life. I look at every person as an opportunity to meet and grow and learn from. And when you can think about it from that perspective, you don't, I try not to see anyone with any type of disability versus they're just a person. That's just who they are. And let's see where they're strengthened and how can how can I add to their life and how can they add to mine? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, All Jane. Right. Jane. Okay. Are you am I here? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yep. Several several things. I think the word religion per se does all of us a disservice. I see much about religion as controlled laws and political and institution. What I think is crucial to live with is that faith gives you the opportunity to have a relationship. And whether that's between you and God or a creative supreme being by any other name, or whether it's community, I think relationship is the issue. And so um, if those relationships, at least as I've experienced them, free me from continuing to make judgments about other people, which I'm really good at. And when I can catch myself or when someone else calls me out on it, I can say, okay, I want love, perfect love to cast out fear And so that's important. I really have appreciated some of the comments you've made along this program, but um, where in Matthew, Pastor Pastor Michael, help me out here. Does it say, come unto me, all ye who are weary? Matthew chapter 11. There you go. Thank you. (laughs) And I will give you rest. And then mm-hmm. he goes on to say, it's you can take on me. my yoke because it's lightweight compared to the crap you carry. That's not quite right. <laughs> but, it's, but it's the truth. Me. If we try to live our lives by the political controls that are around and the cultural biases, mm-hmm. none of us is going to live uh, free and blessed and equal. I don't, I'm not sure right now, as I think these things through, that we are created equal. I'm thinking about it. Anyway, carry on. Bless you for this conversation. Can I respond to that? Jane T., thank you so much for that. Because in essence, that's what Jesus is all about. It's not so much all about religiosity, but it is about relationship. Mm. When you think about Christianity, Mm It is a way of life. It is Christ Jesus at his very, very best. When he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, 
Yes. Learn of me. Learn. I mean, learn about me. How can you learn about me if you disassociate yourself with me? How can I learn about you and who you are and what you represent if I don't dialogue, if I don't associate with you? So it is that relationship. It is that point of contact, if you will, that drives us, that thrives us, that moves us and draws us closer to each other so that we can we're not going to learn everything there is to learn about everything but we can learn enough to know that we can accept who we are who you are who i am and do the kim k-i-m keep it moving (laughs) all right but let me let me just say this um I mean, I think one of the things we need to recognize is that we're actually living in what I think is a pretty revolutionary time as you think about Bible and church and maybe synagogue and mosque, because I think we do need to recognize that there was a point in history where as individuals, right, we were not supposed to be the ones who had a quote unquote relationship with god right Mm -hmm. it was the priests Mm -hmm. in the the Mm -hmm. official yeah so so just just recognizing that i mean to some extent this is i mean it's you know it's been a a pretty broad i think an intense revolution and also that our understanding of that word sort of religion maybe not all across the world, but certainly here in the United States, that we tend to think about it as faith and that that Mm. therefore encompasses a broad sort of spectrum Mm. of- Oh, yeah. As opposed to institutions or formal structures. The the Bible says religion that God accepts is this, to look after orphans and widows in spirit of distress. And to keep mm-hmm. oneself from being polluted mm-hmm. by the world. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Well, well what, one of the things that I want to say is that um, in the Hebrew scriptures, we talk about tzedakah, which is charity. charity. We talk about t- helping people helping people on this earth, like I said before, because it's not about mm-hmm. what we do afterwards. It's about how we help people and how we... Uh, when we uh, get together for the High Holy Days, we uh, accept our um, bad acts or sinfulness before the whole community. Everybody does. Everybody has mm. sinned. And we accept mm. that. And so I think that it's a different perspective than what uh, Christians believe that, that we're praying before God or Jesus. We are praying before the whole community. Mm-hmm. Well, the only thing I would say about that uh, is that I think that there are some groups, some populations within the Christian community who are frankly far too obsessed with heaven being the home instead of thinking more about what our role is here. And I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a both and. And I do think that we are commanded to, I mean, look, all you have to do is turn to Matthew chapter 25 and related passages. That's what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. And 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 frankly, I look at Micah uh, 6, 8, do mm-hmm. justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God, right, right. straight out of the Hebrew yep. Bible. I mean, that's just Thank one of a gazillion passages yep. you could do. Yep. And right. the truth is, I mean, heaven is there. And and if you and if we really want to get down into the weeds on 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 theology and the rest of that, 
I mean, from a certain point of view, the New Testament perspective is not about living in heaven. You're coming back. And we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, which means this world is going to be transformed, that our destination isn't up in some cloud somewhere, but it's about a renewed heaven and earth. And I think those, and, and so on some, but, but isn't it just like human beings to pit one kind of a perspective against another, instead of saying, this is an integrated view. We're, yeah. we're, we, we are disciples. Therefore, we're uh, those of us who follow follow Jesus. We want to be following Him, and yet it's taken up that cross daily. I love this thing about the yoke. I mean, the thing that what's amazing about that is, you know, there's no such thing as one ox in that yoke. You got a couple of them in there. <laughs> so you know, when that when, when that yoke is on you, I mean, you're you you're you're a you're a slave right along next to them, and you're you're a slave right alongside the good Lord. Who's also slave in a way, doing what? You know, improving the world. And I think that's what we're called to do. And here's yeah. the thing, too, that we must realize, too. You mentioned it, I was going to touch on it in Matthew 25. Mm. I did a sermon years ago mm. called The Five L's The mm. Least, The Less, The Lost, The Last, Four L's. That's the Least, The Less, The Lost, and The Last. Mm. That's what God was concerned with. When Jesus hit, hit, hit the, uh, when he separated the goats from the sheep, he mm. posed the question. He says, uh, uh, you know, he, he posed a situation when, uh, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me the drink. When I was out there homeless, you gave me a roof over my head. When I was clothed, when I was naked, you clothed me. And, mm. and then the question was asked, well, Lord, when did we see you in all these things, in all these situations? <laughs> and he says, in as much as you do it unto the least of these, mm. my brothers, and sisters, you mm. do it also unto me. So mm. when we concern ourselves, so this mm -hmm. says we're not only concerning ourselves about others, but we also concern ourselves about each other, about mm. having, having the concern for those who are in the household of faith first. Because yeah. when we are concerned about those who are in the household of faith, then we can reach out. Charity begins at home and it spreads broad. Mm. So, 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 begin so, so let me pose a question. Can I pose a question to all of us? It's yes. something mm -hmm. for us to think about because because then I think I think I don't remember if it was uh, uh, Jeannie or, or Debbie Grubb. One of mentioned. Uh, yeah, I think Debbie. I know Debbie did uh, mention this word love. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, and and that that was a phrase there was a phrase in the in the book that says moving at the speed of love <laughs> so so here's the question y'all and and it's something that we can ponder something that we we can and we can talk about too uh, how do we because we've been talking about this for a number of years. How do we show that love? What mm. does love, mm. what does look, love like? look like? Ooh. What does it look like? Mm. Well, to me, it, it mm. looks like a la acts of loving kindness, acts of good, goodwill, acts of um, when we help people, when when we lead groups, when we when we show people, when we demonstrate to people how love is practiced. And this is why I could really relate to the book because. Uh, Ms. Kenny talks about uh, Kenny talks about uh, not just ableism, which I mentioned in my dissertation, also, but also interdependence. 
Nobody's independent. Mm, Everybody is right. interdependent. interdependent. And I thought, I thought that she was so prescient about that. And I thought she was great about that. Yeah, yeah. And there's point. another thing, too. We all have this word called N-E-E-D. We all have <laughs> need. Yeah. We need yeah. to be needed and we need to feel needed. Mm. And so that love, that needness is born out of that love. Yeah. In my call called Message of Love, I oftentimes say that this book that is called the Bible, that is divided up into two sections, that is uh, uh, full of all of 66 books within it, is a message of, it is God's personal love letter to you and I. It is his message of love. Now, some of that love might be a little tough, and we may not be able to, you know, but yet and still, it is his unadulterated, unconditional message of love that is what draws us. And how do we view love? How do we see love? Love is an action. When you look at the fruit of the Spirit, the first word in the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the other eight elements that come after that, you can't have them without love. You can't yeah, have joy right, without right, love. Yeah. You can't have peace without love. You can't walk That's in it. endurance or any of that stuff right. without L-U-V. Exactly. Yeah. You talk so, about... Go ahead, Cheryl. No, I was going to say, I mean, so... Uh, okay, so love, yes. But then I want to bring us back to talking about what we were, were talking about which is our involvement in in our church or synagogue or you know whatever type of worship we do mm -hmm. so how how do you feel i suppose those institutions live out that love as it pertains to people who are blind mm -hmm. um so. Oh. Well, not all of them do. Not all of them do. And we've talked about this. I think that, um, you know, I I actually um, would go to a synagogue and I'd like to see, you know, is that person a warm person? Is that person going to reach out to me? Because um, I went to many different kinds of religious, uh, uh, you know, venues where I might or might not have felt included or whatever. So I, uh, I got mad at the rabbi here because he wasn't meeting with me so funny. Yeah, hey, I want to meet with you. I want to know how you tick. Because <laughs> if I don't feel good about this, I'm not going to join the synagogue. So, yeah, you know, you have yeah. to really talk to the people in charge and see if that's a place you feel comfortable with and accepting. It, it, that, that key word right there is acceptance. And it's not just acceptance on one part. It's acceptance mm. on mm -hmm. both sides of the coin. Mm. It's right. acceptance where we are as persons first, disability second. Yes, we bear yeah. this disability. We bear this blindness. Every day, you know, when I do uh, when I do our empathy training for paratransit drivers, we put blindfolds on them. And I say, you know, Yay. you're walking around with these blindfolds right now. This is a temporary situation for mm. you. But for us who are totally blind or for us who are low vision, we wake up and we go to bed with this same quote unquote blindfold. It does not change. So it gives you the perspective. It gives them the perspective on wow, this must this is what it, it's like. This is what they go through. This is what it feels like to go. And this is just a tip of the iceberg for them. So how we manage to engage ourselves uh to 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 
and, and Lynn hit the nail on the head. You have to feel that freedom to be able to, you know, if you're picking up a vibe that well, this person is not easy to engage with, you just probably hang back or you may not come back. Yet, mm-hmm. you feel like you can involve with that person, you know, um, sometimes you feel yourself. And I know I, when I was in seminary, I felt the, the stigma of always trying to prove myself because I'm yeah. a blind man sure. living in a divided mm-hmm. world. So I had to yeah. prove myself to my professors. I had to prove myself to my mentors. I had to prove myself to my catechizer of, of what it was I could do that would enhance the ministry mm. Jesus Christ and not be of any kind of and and, and I always say I don't want to let my mentors down or whatever something like that and just instead of just saying you know do the you know do the best and be the best that you know you can be and you let the chips fall where they may and if mm-hmm. they can if you can learn to accept and love yourself then others will learn to accept and love you too and guess what you will learn to accept and love others. It's mm. all about communication and connection. All about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm. and I agree with what, what, what both of you are saying, Lynn and, Lynn and DJ, because, because if you don't, to a, to a degree, I, I try to, you know, make myself known. Uh, uh, but mm. but if, if you don't do something, they will ignore you. Ignore you. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. See, when Paul uses the word, I would that you would not be ignorant. People look at that word as being stupid. No, that's not what that word ignorant means. That means that I would that you would not ignore or I want you to pay attention to what mm. you have been letting flippantly pass by. Mm. Or you right. have ignored it to the point of you're not paying attention to it. So it's one thing to be ignorant that you ignore something and it's another thing to be just you know, um, the word I'm looking for, I can't think of the word, right? but just to, to not, just to know something and to just let it pass by, that's, it, that, that's where the pure ignorance comes from. It's not to stupidity or naivety. Right. It's one thing to be naive, okay, but it's another thing to ignore. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's where we, you know, and so um, I think that the substance, this definitely is worthy of a part two, a part three. And we got more hands. No, let's let's take some more hands because we okay. we're gonna have, we're gonna have to come back and and revisit this. Let's take some more hands because I, I, I just saw we've got like eight hands up. I think Sheila. You certainly <laughs> do. You certainly do. So, wow. Are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. All right, Doug. <laughs> You may unmute. Yes, uh, very, very wonderful uh, presentation, and uh, uh, looking forward to more on this topic. Anyway, um, what the comment that I want to make is: yes, we are talking today about uh, um, blindness or disability uh, within churches. Uh, just a quick personal comment: the church that. I have belonged to for about 15 years, have had more than just me who are visually impaired, people with hearing problems, people with uh, mental health issues and and other things. And what I have seen and heard from people and from the church elders is that 
in a lot of the cases where uh, people are uncomfortable or kind of maybe shy away from people is not necessarily because of them having a disability. It is because of particular behaviors that uh, or attitudes that the people uh, engage in. And those same attitudes and behaviors would be off-putting to people, people even without disabilities. Two quick examples would be uh, constant negativity or uh, not are only showing up to church when they need or want something. And so I don't know where that fits in, hmm. but uh, so... To summarize, when we maybe think that we're not being treated the best because of a disability or somebody else isn't being treated the best because of disability, it may be because of uh, some of our behaviors and actions. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Deanna. Um, I have... I have a problem with my inner child who is very mischievous. <laughs> so I, I have to really um, be careful um, not to snark out at somebody when they completely don't get it. Um, I attended a church for a while and I joined a group of women that were Christian women that met and talked and did things together. And so they were having an initiation, if you will, where you had to stand up and give testimony about why you wanted to be part of this Sisters of Christ group. Yeah. So I stood up and I said, you know, I stand here before you. You probably, some of you think of me as a daughter, a wife, possibly a friend. But a lot of what you think of me is my disability. And then I went on to explain that it, you know, it was something I have had since childhood. It's not a problem to me. So it shouldn't be a problem to you. It's not your problem. It's, it's part of me, just like the color of my hair, my height, the shape of my hand, um, any other part of me. And after I finished, um, I, people came up and, and, thanked me for my testimony, yada, yada. And this one older gentleman came up and said, I've been praying uh, that you'll regain your vision. And God says it'll happen. And I said, oh, it probably will, but not until I, I get up to heaven because I've got two plastic prosthesis and that's a big order. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my, uh, I don't let people get away with putting me in a box because I won't stay there, but I do try to be gentle with them so that I don't offend them. So usually if a perfect stranger comes up to me, if I'm standing in the bank line or the grocery checkout line or wherever I am and says, can I pray for you? I'll say, of course you can, but let me pray for you too. Hmm. Because hmm. the intent is good. The fact that I you know, we could all use an extra prayer or two. Um, I just make that clear. Everyone can can um, 
profit from someone sending positive vibes in their direction or whatever their method is. But I always want them to recognize that I'm I'm pretty comfortable in my skin. Thanks. And it's all good. Mm-hmm. So we'll pray well, for each other. And, and that's and Cheryl and, 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 and Tim, I mean, when I hear those stories, thank you for that, Deanna, because that just, oh, it's so rich. I mean, I think about the story, I think, well, it's probably in a couple of gospels, but for sure in Matthew, right? The two people go down to the temple to pray. The one guy's down there. Oh, I fast twice every week. I give all this money away. Oh, and I, I'm yeah. so grateful that I'm not like that poor, miserable tax collector over there. I mean, how many people... Right. How many people come to our houses of worship, whichever faith it is, who come with that attitude? And frankly, to put it very squarely on the leadership of those congregations or in those those systems, how many pastors, how many denominations encourage that? So when you and I, as people with disabilities, show up, we are the objects of pity as opposed to the people who come there thinking, like the like the like the tax collector who dares to you know look up to heaven, have mercy on me, right? I mean, the people who go there who have who are who think that they are fully able, they're being encouraged in a lot of ways by 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 their by their pastors, by those denominations, to think, oh, my charity is extended outward to those people. I need to have mercy on those people as opposed to frankly falling on your knees and and saying have mercy on me for my limitations whatever they are maybe they're because <laughs> i mean ultimately at some point it's it's i haven't loved god and i haven't loved my neighbor as myself and that's true for everybody who shows <laughs> yeah. up there whether you're blind or not yep and some of them are going thank god that's not me <laughs> right well yeah, go ahead. Wait, uh, so I think, go is ahead. that Lynn? Yeah, can I offer yeah. a solution? One is that um, my synagogue has people who speak every, in the, like during the school year, uh, they call a salon. And I've told the rabbi that I want to speak on disabilities. And it really is incumbent upon us in our churches. And of course, mm. uh, Dr. Garrett and, and, and uh, Reverend Garrett and, and Reverend uh, Doug um, already, uh, you know, uh, ascend to the pulpit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But for those mm-hmm. who, those of us who don't, um, you know, I've already told the rabbi that I want to speak uh, to the congregation and educate people on on disabilities and, and stuff like that. So I think it's incumbent on us to educate our congregations, educate educate our religious uh, leaders about what's going on with us. Yes. Cheryl and Tim, you have eight minutes and you have six hands. <laughs> so Half Tim, minute do you want to... Do I can't do that high-level math. Yeah, let's yeah. let's 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 go. Let's go. Let's let's get as through as let's get as many hands as we can, and we'll definitely right. have to do, obviously do a part two of it. <laughs> okay, Nora, go ahead. Well, thank you for your wonderful um, presentation today, and the and the panels, and and my belief with about the people and disabilities. My church, we are all just we definitely. And all disabilities and and non-disabled. And another thing in the Bible of the chapter, John chapter nine, like somebody else mentioned uh, about Jesus. Jesus also, uh, you know, he was doing miracles and things like that, and he was uh, 
you want us also to that we can have sight, spiritual sight, and not only physical sight, but spiritual sight. Right. And right. oh, it's like when he uh, heals the, uh, the person who is lame, mm-hmm. when he is a man, he said, pick up your bed and walk, and his sin was forgiven, and things like that, and so that was another really good chapter there, and the, the story, and the, the lame man, not only because, not only the blind man, but the lame man to walk, and he feels the blind to see, but also we need to be human and learn to see through our hearts and minds, spiritually, so that's what he is. Thanks, thanks, Nora. You're welcome. Kathy. Kathy Casey. Um, okay. Um, I, the church I belong to is a Protestant church. Mm-hmm. And we have been, um, and there's several of us, there's two others that are visually impaired. And we are openly accepted, you know, in that church. I belong to that church. Whenever we have a function, you know, um, I offer to help out and it's not, oh, no, we don't need your help, you know, that type of thing. So I've got to say that, and we've also uh, assisted in doing a pamphlet or a a guideline on how to work with visually impaired um, parishioners in, in the church. So I, I think it's uh, just to, you know, let people know that, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think, you know, we are accepted and it's the um, ultimate congregation and the ministers that need to, quote, open their eyes, hmm. unquote, to, to us. And with that, I'll let you go because it's getting late. <laughs> Thank you. Mary Beth. Thank you. Here's my girl. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hello, DJ and everybody. Just have a quick addendum to what um, Deanna was talking about. The, the people that walk up to you in the middle of wherever you happen to be and whatever you happen to be doing and want to pray. Um, and I, I think I think Deanna has a, a great solution. But I also... Um, at least for me, there are plenty. There are sometimes when I don't want somebody to pray for me. I'm running to catch a train or a bus, or you know. And um, my pastor actually at one point said to me, "Look, if oh, you don't want somebody to pray for you, tell them no." And and on occasion I have. I've been polite about it, but I said, "Nope, not a good time," or you know whatever. And to me, that's been very freeing. You know? <laughs> Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Thank All you, right. Mary Beth. You got um, Peter Hyde. Hello, it's Heidi, but that's fine. I'm sorry. Uh, that's a, that's all right. Um, I I would like to say, uh, at the risk of not being really popular, that uh, the healing of the blind, of the man born blind in chapter nine, is not about the man born blind, uh, but that it is about the communitarian atonement, as uh, Lynn was talking about. And that uh, the the chapter goes on beyond the end of chapter nine. It really the story doesn't close until uh, chapter ten twenty one, and that uh, once you get into ten twenty one, that the um, images continue to be sound images, not sight images, 
and that uh, it says something about the awareness of blindness and what it means to hear the hear the call and follow. Um, I could say a lot more. I've spent uh, 30 years studying this text. So thank you. All right. Thanks. All right. We've got two hands and three minutes. So we're going to go with Gabriel and then Anthony Corona will end it. Okay. Very quickly. I just want to make two points. One um, probably comes more from the LGBT side than the disability side. I would like and to invite everyone to change the term acceptance and uh, substitute it with embrace uh, because accepting sounds like even though something, I accept you. You should, we should be embraced, not accepted. I and love we that. should feel embraced that. and not accepted. And I the last agree. thing that I'm going to say Amen. is yep. the understanding of the differences within each other goes down, even in our uh, churches, um, to the lack of understanding of diversity. Because the scripture itself says that Jesus is one body but we are all different. Some of us are hands, some of us are nose, some of us are heart, some of us are eyes. We are all different and we are not imperfect. I love that. I love this phrase. Some of us are peculiar members. And I think about yeah. ECB. Yeah, we have a few peculiar members too. Yeah, I'm so just, yes, I, I, say, I, I say I'm an anomaly. That's what I say. That's it. I like peculiar it. <laughs> members. All right, Anthony Corona. All right, Madeline Lingle, Glimpses of Grace. You can get it on Bard. It <laughs> talks a lot about what we were talking about there, daily affirmations. But something that she said um, that really resonated with me a long time ago was, if you find yourself in church where church is more concerned with the business of church, even in the zealotness of doing good works, rather than basking in the love and glory of God, then you're not in true faith. And I absolutely love that. And if that's what a church feels like, then you're probably not in the faith community and, and explore a little more. Tim, Cheryl, my God, what a great conversation. Please set up part two for early September. Take us out, Tim, Cheryl. Thank, Thank you, everybody. You I got to be my you. ride. Thanks, everybody. Right. And I need to play the right. closing. All right. All right. Thank you all for, for coming. Thank our panelists. And we will Thank be back you. for part two. This Thank has you. been awesome. Looking forward we'll be to there. it. God yep. bless. Thank you, everybody. God bless. And here we go. You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream One, that's American Council of the Blind Media, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays, and you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday. <laughs>